A good evening and a warm welcome to all witches, weirdos, goblins and ghouls you are listening to the London Horror Society podcast. This is the podcast where we chat to people working across the genre, whether they be established or emerging, in front of or behind the camera, from first assistant director to final girl. Without any further ado, grab yourself a glass of Chianti, sit back, relax, enjoy. Welcome back, everybody. Huge thank you to everybody that listened to last week's episode with Nick Taylor. This week, we speak to DOP, Vince Knight, who worked on this year's Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, as well as last year's Wolf Manor, amongst a whole bunch of other films. Um, This is a really interesting conversation, and it's a really, really good insight into indie filmmaking and, um, you know, just how, how the sausage is made, really. Um, one thing I wanted to caveat just before we jump into the interview is that uh, Vince uh, mentions a little bit about distribution uh, and release and we talk about that a little bit but we recorded this just before Christmas so I don't know what the landscape looks like now for Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey with their release or anything uh, they've just had their world premiere in Mexico and you know from what I can see online and in the trades it all seems to have gone very very well so any chat that we have in here about uh, release, distribution, one day release, anything like that, take it with a huge, huge pinch of salt because this is not news, this is not gospel, nothing like that. Um, but otherwise, you know, the chat is uh, really, really insightful, really interesting and uh, very, very grateful to uh, Vince for giving for giving us his time, especially after the last year that he's had uh, being so busy with work, and especially as it was around Christmas. So, yeah, stick around, uh, and I will catch you after the jump. Hey Vince, it's uh, it's great to have you on. So I think um, the first question that uh, we'd kind of like to really get into is, is probably, you know, the most century level one that we can do, but it'll be great to know a little bit about how you got into cinematography. Okay, I, yeah. Um, I mean, I've been working as a cinematographer, I'd say professionally, probably about 10 years now. <clears throat> For a long time before that, I was kind of filming smaller stuff kind of more as a videographer i guess kind of doing a lot of events and yeah just kind of silly videos with friends um but i guess the way i actually really got into it was i I was i was that kid with a camcorder running around home filming (laughs) pets and dumb videos of friends and jackass stuff and skateboarding videos you know amazing um, i guess as i i grew up I, i never really i didn't even think it could be a career you know i didn't it was just like something i enjoyed doing and then, like, the movie industry was just something completely that you couldn't even fathom working in, you know? It was, like, mm. just, yeah, I didn't, I didn't even tie the two together. It's, like, what, what, what do you want to do as a job? And it's, like, I don't know. Didn't even, couldn't even think about that. Do you know what I mean? But at the same time, I was filming for fun. Um, so I actually, I actually went off and studied graphic design because that seemed like a job. Um, and I hated it. Mm. But, um, and then I just kind of switched and started getting into filming. And it grew from there, really. I started, yeah. Yeah, started off doing the more events and videography stuff and slowly started building my short film, showreel narrative stuff. 
it's, it's, it's actually really great to hear that because I think, um, certainly from my perspective as well, I mean, I think, you know, there is this kind of almost stigma, right? When you're, when you're kind of coming out of, you know, forced education, right? So even up to GCSEs, up to A-levels, mm-hmm. you know, you're almost tried, there seems to be this kind of lack of, um, you know, incentive for, for, you know, the education system to kind of want to try and get people to work in an, an area that sort of really interests them, i.e. Mm-hmm. yourself, yeah. you know, with filmmaking. And it's, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sure you're not kind of the first person to ever kind of, you know, have a real passion for something, i.e., you know, the cinematography side of things, the running around kind of shooting stuff and actually link that to, you know, the quote unquote day job. And, you know, it's always really refreshing to actually kind of hear people that sort of then sort of figure out in their mind. It's like, well, actually, do you know what? I actually could do this professionally and I could do that. So, yeah, kudos for you, man, for uh, for sort of getting out of the... uh, getting out of that kind of system of, you know, I need to do a day job and I'll do cinematography as a side hobby. You know, it's great to kind of hear, you know, breaking through and actually getting into it. Uh, It took took me a little bit of time because I did, I did waste a few years trying to go after something. Cause I remember, you know, you're at school and they sit you down with like a a UCAS person. Careers advisor as well. Yeah. Career advisor. And they're like, okay, so let's, let's look at your A-level or let's look at your GCSEs and A-levels. And then they look at, they go on their little system of jobs and like, I'm pretty sure that like filming wasn't even something that was an option. Do you know what I mean? The closest thing, because I, 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 there was no media or film or anything at my school at the time. So mm-hmm. the closest thing we could find that was that I that I was doing was like kind of art and and woodwork and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So graphic design and IT. So a graphic designer seemed to be the closest link, and I just kind of got shoveled into that, and off I went. And yeah, it wasn't working. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's always the thing. I mean, it, it, yeah, it's uh, it, it it's kind of hard to to sort of sort of battle your way out of that. I think as well, mm. you know, when it's when it is sort of so, uh, you know, so almost pigeonholed, right? I mean, yeah, it it makes sense though that you know you always with graphic design at least you sort of started off on a creative front, I guess. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I was I was also thing. doing that kind of stuff for fun as well, but yeah, yeah, it was a uh, a little bit more kind of like a realistic job than what I truly wanted to be doing. Mm. Yeah. So was was there a kind of um, like moment where you realised that this was something that you could viably do as a career, um, or is it more of like a gradual realisation or something that you were kind of gradually working towards? Um, I mean, I what I kind of started doing a lot alongside kind of doing graphic design stuff was I um I started a YouTube channel and I was doing um predominantly like car stuff so i was filming a lot of like car events and little promo videos and stuff like that and it was kind of like oh maybe i can make money through you know this is kind of where this was probably 2008 2009 so youtube was big but like people you know like kind of making money on youtube was just an upcoming thing Mm. adverts had only just really been introduced so it was kind of like, oh, maybe we can make money through this. And, you know, I kind of had like a group of friends and we'd be making stuff. So that was kind of like, that wasn't quite the point of being like, oh, this could be a job. But we were doing it with the goal of making money. But then um, I started to get hired commercially to shoot events and, and some commercials and stuff. So that's when it was kind of like, oh, actually, maybe maybe I am pretty good at this. Maybe I can do this. And that started to take over. And that's what I was doing all the time pretty much mm, mm-hmm. nice 
So on the um, on the back of kind of working in events, because I've done similar work, not behind the camera, but you know, been environments filming where you're kind of having to um, think on your feet, kind of improvise a little bit, and yeah. you know, there there are shot lists and there are things that the clients want to get, but they kind of always tend to go out of the window as soon as you get there. Yeah. Like, would you say that those kind of um, those kinds of experiences and skills, like, have they informed or helped your career like working in the kind of indie low budget space in any way yeah i mean absolutely definitely i mean because having being a one-man band at an event is like it's stressful and you're kind of thrown in the deep end of like i need to capture a lot of content i need to do it very well and i need to be able to read people and read the space so it's like it really improved my kind of um just my natural ability to kind of capture interesting shots and dynamic angles. And, um, you know, when you're working with like natural light and you're not in control of a situation, you kind of have to just be sneaky and move around and capture things cleverly, but also like become very good at reading people and capturing the right moment. And, you know, how can I, if I'm in a race pit and there's loads of things going on, how can I kind of get a good shot and not kind of intrude too much? Mm. Or if you're like at an event where, You've got some sort of VIPs. How can I kind of get them looking happy when they're not happy? Can I kind of, you know, there's all these sort of things. And then those sort of skills really do apply to working on, on feature films because, you know, I'm, I'm bringing all of these sort of fast moving skills that I've learned to, to that sort of work and to that sort of job. So it's, it's really helped out, I think. How um, do would you say it differs? Because it, it, to me, it's really interesting because they're so different in terms of the disciplines. But when you're obviously preparing um, to go and shoot either a commercial or, or, like you said, one of the you know the more sort of uh, the more sort of I, I guess commercial is probably the best word actually. You know things like the events, and then obviously you 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 do the the narrative led stuff as well. I mean, how how does it sort of differ the preparation from going into one of those events to? Uh, so yeah, like a, a feature film or a short film. Um, I mean, I haven't filmed events now for like probably eight, eight, eight years really. But okay, um, back in the day, it was kind of like um, I don't, I'm like I don't know how to explain really. Um, I mean, the preparation is is different because obviously there's it's a different it's a completely different ball game. But I think. Mm once you're there it is still kind of a mad scramble to get the content you need as quickly as possible and as well as possible you know mm. and and working collaborating with your team of people is, is just as important um <clears throat> because we kind of maybe have like a weekend where we'd have an event over two days and within those two days we need to shoot enough stuff and pump out maybe like six edits before yeah. the end of the weekend you know so i think shooting to know what you need for the edit and then also editing to see how your shooting affects that became very important. So I think, I mean, I always recommend to anyone wanting to get into film is to just shoot and edit your own stuff because yeah. if you don't know how to edit, you don't know how to shoot properly for your edit. And if you don't know, do you know what I mean? So it's like, no, of course. I mean, without, yeah. without that knowledge, you, you're not going to know how it stitches together. Right. And you, yeah. you've got to have, you know, the, that sort of the end product is, you know, in your mind when you're, you know when you when you're actually shooting the uh, the source material so that yeah that totally makes yeah. sense yeah 
So what was the journey like going from uh, those events into short films, into features? Um, is it what, what kind of time frame was that kind of on the back end of the uh, kind of commercial career into the feature career? Because I know you said there was some overlap as well. You were kind of shooting shorts um, kind of in tandem with events. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So I was doing kind of narrative short films and at the same time I was trying to bring that sort of style of filming into the event stuff to try and make those a little bit more interesting and kind of just really falling in love with shooting narrative stuff and working with actors and a story and emotions and, you know, like kind of creating something more emotional than kind of an event video. And the event stuff was kind of fun and I got to play with cameras and travel and meet people and stuff. But the the real passion became kind of narrative work. So it kind of slowly progressed into doing only narrative <clears throat> and then eventually features. Is there, is there anything that stands out from the narrative work that you've done as kind of like a real uh, moment that sticks out in your mind? Uh, anything like, wow, I can't believe we pulled that off or I can't believe we got to do that? Uh, one of the early jobs in my career, sort of, um, I just kind of was getting into the kind of narrative short film stuff, but I got hired as a second unit cinematographer on a World War II film. And um, that was kind of really really mind-blowing for me because it was kind of we literally are in the trenches and we are filming explosions and there's gunfire stuff going off and it was like you you really do just think oh i'm getting paid to do this <laughs> you know like, mm -hmm. um and that was that was very cool because that was i guess technically my first feature credit and um and just a crazy experience really yeah, for sure. No, it must have been. I understand you do a lot of work with um, Reese and Scott, uh, producers, yes. writers, directors. Um, so I'm not 100% sure kind of the order in which things went, if you were kind of doing work with them before and then Blood and Honey happens. But yeah, I've so I, I counted this the other day. I've done 12 films with them now. Um, wow. And Blood and Honey is like the 10th, but I guess we've also done shoots since. So. Mm -hmm. It's kind of yeah. There's there's a couple which are still in post now. Um, yeah, it's it's one of the later ones, basically. Yeah, sure. So what what was your reaction? Uh, you know, and kind of can you paint a picture for me? Like how did it happen? Did the script kind of just land in your inbox, or did one of them call you and go, "Hey, we're making a Winnie the Pooh slash <laughs> like what what was that like for you? Uh, so I've got a group chat with Scott and Reese, and we're kind of talking there. I'd say literally every day, almost all the time. And there's just always crazy ideas being thrown around. And one that Reese has been wanting to do is, is Winnie the Pooh. And I'm kind of like, uh, <laughs> like, fuck's sake, Reese. Um, and it's kind of like, really? And he's like, yes, we're doing it. I'm like, really? He's like, yes. I'm like, okay, let's do it. Um, and he has a lot of, he has a lot of interesting, funny, crazy ideas. And I think what he's often trying to do is just kind of come up with ideas that are going to get attention, you know? Sure. Um, and I think he's definitely got attention there, so it has worked. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, well, one thing I would love to be a fly on the wall for that group chat, to be honest, and see what kind of ideas are bouncing around. But that leads on to my next question: like, were you were you expecting the kind of reaction that Blood and Honey got? Because you know, it went into like Forbes, Vanity Fair, um, you know, all the trades in the states. Um, it was mentioned on this morning, I think, in the UK, yeah. all kinds of news outlets. Like, 
did that kind um, of take you by surprise or i mean yeah definitely we, we knew it was gonna go a little bit viral because a few of their other films that have had kind of wacky ideas have kind of like had a couple of million views on the trailer and stuff like that but we thought it was just gonna be another one of those we didn't think that one day we'd wake up and it would be like on tv and scott and reese's phones would be blowing up and all sorts would be going on but yeah so it was definitely a surprise and it's been very fun <laughs> Yeah, so what was the kind of pre-production process like? Because, you know, just now you mentioned, or you, you gave the impression that you were kind of not 100% sure on this idea from Reese about doing Winnie the Pooh. Was there a kind of moment in pre-production where where it all kind of, it was all laid out and it and you kind of went, ah, yeah, I see it now, like it makes sense? Or, um, So I'll be honest with their films. Uh, we, they do a lot of films a year. So those guys are doing pretty much 30 35 films a year wow which wow. is crazy for direct producer company to be sort of doing this many productions and often they're like five six seven eight nine day shoots wow Incredible. um so these films kind of are getting pumped out they go for a, a quantity over quality kind of aspect which you know is is it, it does work and it you know they're looking for some hits and those are the sort of films that I've been doing because I kind of see them as super fun little projects, which, you know, they're very like, because they're so fast paced, they're very good training to kind yeah. of get better at things. And mm. at the end of the day, if, if it's, if it's not, if it's not a great script or something, you're not particularly passionate about it's, you know, you can still have a really fun time and it's a very short project. So Sure. The the films have really become a kind of like family of people that we work with. Um, so yeah. these was this, Winnie the Pooh is going to essentially be another one of these films. Although over the last year we have been building up sort of bigger productions and trying to get away from the quantity thing. But um, yeah, it was it was going to be another one of those. So I'd say that there was very little pre production. <laughs> really? Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, that makes sense. So when you know when you're working on a um you know to a kind of nine day schedule, which mm. um you know is incredibly tight for you know a ninety minute feature, you're shooting ten minutes, you're shooting four ten minutes a day, roughly. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Um, how is that kind of impacting your schedule? Because you know if if someone's got all the time in the world, do you know what I mean? They're shooting the wide, they're shooting a two shot coverage over the shoulder, everything. Do you know what I mean? There's no kind of um uh you're not kind of limiting yourself just because you need to because of time do you know what i mean so like does that make you a kind of more decisive dop like how does that impact the way that you're planning the way that you're shooting on the day it, it just means that i can't fuck up and it means that i need to go in with a plan and i need to just do my lighting setup and that is what it is um obviously you know there it, it does sound restrictive but we actually can get quite a lot done in that time because we're such a small crew and there isn't any sort of like execs or producers or mm. clients mm. that are kind of having input and kind of changing things. You know, if if Reese and I or Scott and I, if he's directing, if we're like, should we do this? And we're like, yeah, let's do it. And we just do it. Or actually, should we go shoot that scene while wow, the sun's really nice there? Should we let's quickly do that instead? But yeah, let's do it. We haven't got a big, slow moving, you know, like sure. tank of people to kind of change things around. We can kind of do things very quickly and because of that we can actually achieve some quite nice 
setups. Mm. Um, it obviously does mean that we don't get as much coverage as I'd like to get or you would traditionally get, but you can you can get quite nice scenes. I mean, it's tough on the actors because the actors, you know, they need to know their lines and they only get, you know, a couple of takes sometimes. But sure, um, we still are able to do some some nice stuff, I think. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it sounds... it's, it's, it's good. It, you do learn quickly. For sure, yeah. I mean, it sounds quite liberating. Do you know what I mean? And they say, like, it'd be nice to get more coverage and stuff like that. But I think... Mm at the end of the day when you've got all the time in the world it can just be a little bit like paint by numbers like when mm. you can do anything what do you do do you know what i mean but it's yeah. like if you know the sun's going down you got to get the shot do you know what i mean that kind of forces you to be uh to be creative like i think yeah. it's, a, it's a really interesting way of working um um yeah it's, it's weird because i've you know I've, I've gone on and done other productions with with other companies and often much much bigger budgets and schedules but I almost sometimes find those frustrating because it's kind of like we're so restricted to mm. a certain shot list or agreed plan or a yeah. certain order of things that it's like, yeah, I know this is how it's meant to be done, but guys, like it's, we're not getting as like, this isn't, it somehow isn't as creative or isn't as actually um, efficient as it could be because I feel like we're just kind of missing stuff when, yeah, I don't know, like, yeah. I mean, I love the, the the word you use. You know, liberating. I think that's uh, that that's kind of really key for me because you know it, it does it does pain me when you do see these big shoots. Like you said, you know, you've got sort of almost multiple producers and execs kind of pulling the creative strings almost, right? Mm. But then you know you're hired to be in charge of cinematography. So you know why why wouldn't it be you know kind of your call on on how things should look, right? I mean that that relationship between you and the director should be baked in there. And it kind of, yeah. it is, you're totally right. It's backwards, isn't it? Where it's like, well, look, you've hired me, Johnny producer to sort of do this. And now you're kind of almost sort of second guessing it. So, you know, why, why am I actually here? Um, yeah. So I, I totally understand how that must be, you know, such a great experience where, you know, you're shooting on the fly with a small crew and it's you and the director that's essentially there. It's like, let's get this. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and then you know it's it's you know you two are in charge of the creative direction of the you know the visuals, so mm. why wouldn't it be down to you? So it, it, yeah, it, it's great to hear that. Yeah, not not too many chefs once, which is nice. Right. And, um, and and the great thing about kind of being able to change is often you you turn up to something and things aren't really how you anticipated. You know, maybe maybe if you did have a recce, often we I I don't get to have recces on those ones. <laughs> if you do, you turn up and it's changed or mm. something crazy like maybe the weather is just completely not what you anticipated and if you haven't got the time to change things you can sometimes come up with very sort of creative solutions and being put under the pressure results in things being very different and you know sometimes something's different and Reese and I'll sort of say oh should we just do it as a one or should we do it this way or some something crazy and it's like let's mm. just go for it and it's low pressure because you know often these films aren't going to a huge audience or you know they're very you know so it's kind of like we can try it if we want um and if it doesn't work it didn't work you know no mm. no pressure but often often it does work and some sometimes it's it's amazing you know yeah yeah no i i think it's i think it's such a great thing and uh yeah it will be it will be nice if kind of bigger bigger crews kind of uh sort of took that as red because you know like you said i mean you can do so much in pre-production, right? You can kind of prepare mm. for all these things. You can, like you said, do a shot list. You can kind of get everything drawn up. But then, you know, particularly if you're, say, shooting externally, the weather or the light can, you know, change yeah. at the drop of a hat and you have to adapt. So it's almost a case of, yes, okay, 
do your shot lists, get everything ready for that. But then, you know, you have yeah. to go in with the anticipation that there will be things that get in the way, right? When was there ever yeah. a shoot done in the history of time <laughs> that everything went completely to plan? So I think yeah. there has to be that element of, you know, being flexible and being, you know, open to, to changing things at the drop of a hat for the, for the, yeah. I guess for the good of the production at the end. But even if, even if there aren't things that are sort of out of your control, even if you kind of get there and everything is as it was, it's nice to be able to suddenly have a fresh idea on set and right, be right. free to, to throw your shot list in the bin and kind of go with what your heart says at the time. Mm -hmm. I think when you've kind of got some sort of larger powers at play and, and stuff like that, you kind of can't do that and have to stick with things. So yeah. I'm hoping as Scott and Reese get bigger productions and bigger budgets, we can kind of take this truly indie style and apply it to a bigger budget where we can kind of get some some more um, yeah how good would that be, be that's it that's it because i mean this is the thing when when you have more money come in they're not you know i i understand why there's more scrutiny right there's there's more people at play awesome. there's you know people need a return on an investment that's absolutely fine but it's it's a case of you know look we've proven ourselves in this um you know in in how we shoot our films and how we get our films to market you know, I, I feel that there should be sort of almost more trust, I guess, from investors mm. where it's like, look, this is how we've done it. We could kind of go the sort of the more scrutinous way of doing it or we could try and, you know, adapt to how perhaps you've done it in the past. But at the end of the day, why would you want to do that? Right. I mean, if you're giving somebody money to go and make a film, you'd want them to do it in the way that was most yeah. comfortable for them. So, it, yeah, I, I agree. It will be interesting to see if, um, you know, the if you guys are allowed to, or I say allowed, you know, given a, a free reign to sort of go and do something how you want to, because in my mind, I mean, I think, well, why wouldn't it? <laughs> it it yeah. seems nuts to sort of change what's obviously working for you guys. Well, I guess we will see. <laughs> we will. <laughs> in, is there a dream project, like a property um, that you haven't yet totally destroyed and ruined? No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but is there something kind of like maybe that you grew up with and thought, oh, that would make a really good, like kind of real like you know blood and guts kind of horror film or is is there anything that you just really want to get your teeth into oh god i mean i'm not that's not my department really i'm not i'm not an ideas guy when it comes to sort of generating scripts or concepts or anything like that i can mm. i can take a script and and creatively turn it into something from there on but yeah i don't i don't that's not me really no um, that's fine there's nothing wrong with that at all <laughs> you mentioned kind of uh you know you've worked on a bunch of productions with um you know a lot of the same crew and you've kind of become a family like would you say that that's a really you know an important thing to do is to kind of find your team and your crew and like how does that kind of impact the way you work yeah i think i think having good people around you that you can trust and you know that are going to be able to kind of step up when things get hard is really important because i think going doing a film i know obviously it's nothing like it but it is a bit like going to battle mm -hmm. and you need good people around you that are going to have your back and i think i always say that there's there's three things i need from crew and I, I need them to be technically good reliable and likable but not in that order um mostly i need them to be reliable then i need them to be likable and then i need them to be technically good because at the end of the day if someone's really really good but they kind of cancel me for another job that's no good is it so mm. you know i over the years i have kind of put together a team of people that i you know i like and trust and obviously we we chop and change depending on the budget or availability but 
yeah, it's it's really important to have have a good group around you because you know if you're having fun and you're working, then that's the dream, isn't it? Really, mm-hmm. absolutely, yeah. And I mean, just to kind of uh, touch on that as well, like you can't teach likability and you can't teach reliability either. You can mm-hmm. teach someone to be technically uh, proficient. Do you know what I mean? But yeah, like you say, if someone's uh, yeah not reliable, but you know they could be the best, um, you know, best kind of person in the world technically. Yeah. But, but yeah, well, it's no, like you know what I mean. It's like I don't care if if the focus pillar is the best focus pillar in the world. If they're a bit of a knob, I just don't really want want to hang yeah. out with someone like that for, for sure. weeks yeah. on end. So, um, but yeah, that, I mean, it it is. I mean, a film set is a pressure cooker, right? I mean, I think it's uh, it's one of those situations where you know you're all jammed in somewhere. You might yeah. not know a lot of the people you're working with for the first time, and it's it's incredibly sort of high pressure, and and everyone's mm-hmm. sort of feeling it. And I think. I completely agree. All it takes is is one person that maybe doesn't quite gel professionally with someone or, or like you said, would rub someone up in the wrong way. And, yeah. you know, it might seem like something completely minor on, on day one. But by the time you're yeah. at the end of, you know, day three or day four, it's a massive problem. Right. And I think yeah. that's it, it is it, anything that I've learned from from sort of films I've worked on is the absolute importance in crewing up, not just for ability or for, you know, their experience. Mm-hmm. It's how everyone kind of will gel on on set and it's it's hard to do um, yeah. but i think you know for the if it came down to someone that you think you'd really enjoy working with but they might not have the sort of experience or the you know the credits that someone else might have that you're sort of almost questioning working with mm-hmm. i think i take option a all the time because at least you know that you know you're not going to kind of have a an explosion or at least you hope you know you're not going to mm-hmm. sort of have a uh a sort of a, a a bad experience on set for everyone else that's working with that person. yeah so yeah I, I totally feel that i think it's really important as well to kind of have a friendly happy um professional vibe on set because mm-hmm. most important thing for me to do is really create a sort of safe and happy space for the actors to work in you know i, mm-hmm. I like to mm-hmm. if if they're happy and they're they're in a room because often you know if i've got like a gaffer that's like i don't know i don't I tend not to but say if i've got a gaffer that's just like a complete dickhead the actors are going to feel that do you know what i mean if yeah it, and that's gonna that is going to potentially actually impact their performances and impact the film whereas if it's someone that's like fun and you know has a bit of a laugh or is just really charming and that's going to rub off on everyone positively and if everyone's kind of all having a good time and the actors can have a good time then Everyone's gonna, you know, say if like guys, look, we're we're running behind schedule. We, you know, yeah. the rain has stopped us for half an hour. Instead of them wanting to be like, no, what, well, fuck this film, I want to go home. They might be like, yes, let's do it. I want to, you know, you guys are great. Let's really push to the end, and you're literally going to get a better film if everyone's happy. So, yeah, completely 100%. agree. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's a stressful thing, regardless. No matter which way you cut it, it's always going to be, a, you know, a stressful experience making a film. Mm. Um, that's just the nature of the beast. I guess it there's no point in making it needlessly more stressful just yeah, by exactly. bringing in a bad mood and uh, being a human storm cloud. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, that makes total sense. And also horror is meant to be fun. Yeah, know? exactly. Um, and it's like, it can be dark on screen, but it, because it's dark in front of the camera, it doesn't need to be dark behind the camera. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Um, exactly. But yeah, I think, I think there's a good life lesson, something that I would definitely pass on. Just mm. don't be a dick. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's amazing that you still have to say that though, isn't it? I mean, it's uh, you'd think it'd be a prerequisite for anything right now, but it's not. 
<laughs> I mean, I think, you know, without naming any names, we've all probably worked with those people. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Chris and I, uh, we've only seen the trailers um, and, you know, a couple of stills and a couple of little bites on Instagram stories from the grade and stuff yeah. like that. And, you know, it does look quite visually impressive because I understand there are some pyrotechnics in there. Um, mm -hmm. It looks like it's just shot really well and in a really oh, kind you. of <laughs> spooky, scary kind of way to the point where I was like, you know, initially I was like, oh, this will be quite funny to see Winnie the Pooh swinging around with an axe. And then I saw a clip of Winnie the Pooh smashing up a table and I was like, oh, <laughs> shit, I'm kind of fucking scared. Um, <laughs> you know, with the pyrotechnics and, um, you know, kind of just the more physical aspects of the film, like, were there any challenges uh, with, with putting those bits together? Um, I guess the ch most challenging thing really was the weather because sort of a third of the film is outside and we really, really got battered by rain and wind and the mud and all sorts and not to mention our reshoots were kind of i think we did we did reshoots outdoors on the 15th of july so our night Ooh. shoots were not long at all <laughs> we kind yeah. of were really having to squeeze things into like i mean i don't know how long darkness is on the 15th of july but it's like half the amount of time it would be now do you know what i mean mm, sure um so we were really sort of racing against sort of the sun coming up and I've had to kind of really bend that in the grade where I'm like, well, I can literally see the sun rising there. So we need to kind of work around that. And um, yeah, so I think technically that's been the, the most difficult thing. Um, but also just the, the, the crazy schedule. Yeah, I mean, so you, you had done like a, a kind of initial block. Was that yeah. block... Uh, planned to be the only block and yeah we we did have a film at the end of that yeah yeah okay cool i so, think that was eight days wow that's, that's incredible just yeah, crazy yeah. you know runtime wise what are we looking at like 90 100 minutes or uh i think 86 no, okay um so do you mind you don't have to answer this um but how how did the reshoots come about was it a case of um you know, it had a lot of interest and then did you kind of get some finishing finance or something like that? And then you went out to reshoot some bits? Or... Yeah, so so we basically did the the sort of principal photography. We had a film, you know, it kind of, there were some sort of not great bits where we'd obviously rushed and the ending wasn't quite what we wanted because we kind of ran out of darkness. And it was, it was, it was a film and it was okay to put out there sort of like, but we weren't happy with it. And then kind of when it went viral, there became this sort of scope to improve it because suddenly, oh shit, everyone in the world is going to see this and or at least hear about it. And I, I gather that they were able to get a bit more funding from the distributor to kind of fix things a little bit. So we went back and we did, I think, three more days and we improved the film from there. We kind of, those three days went to basically extending the ending or mm -hmm. not extending but like changing the ending because originally um it just ended a bit short so oh yeah i got well without ruining anything we just kind of extended a little bit and made it a bit more exciting and fun and introduced some more things and then um later down the line when we had that film kind of polished we were like it needs work and it needs changing and we're still not happy with it so we went and did another four days and we kind of um, introduce some more aspects throughout the film. If that's yeah, the best way to say it. Mm -hmm. Sure. 
Interesting. And now it's in a much better place. Yeah, that's good. I mean, yeah. I honestly buzzing to see it. Is it February 15th that it's out? Yes, that's right, yeah. Yeah, so I understand that in the States they're doing... Is it just a one-day release in the States? I think so, yeah. And is that the case in the UK as well? I'm not sure what the plan with the UK is. Uh, Altitude are, are, are distributing it, but I think... I don't know. I'm not sure yet. Okay. Well, whatever happens, I, I think, you know, I'm definitely going to be in line for a ticket because I've got to see how this plays out and I need I, to... I hope there'll be something yeah. something in England, something in London. That'd be great. I'm yeah. sure there will be. There must be. Yeah, I mean, I, I take it you guys are doing a premiere or something like that. Um, At the moment, I don't know what the plan is, but I, I think there will be something. Yeah, we have to. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're, you've got 75 films shooting next year, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> No, um, but yeah, I mean, how do you work out all of those films? You know what I mean? Like what's your, I know you, I know you said that you don't have much time for pre-production and the shoots are really um, uh, kind of kind of short, like, you know, nine, 10 days and stuff like yeah. that. I wouldn't know how to make heads or tails of that. And like, I'm, I'm a producer and an AD as okay. well, okay. like, I wouldn't know how to kind of organize my thoughts around, you know, I've got this film and then this film and then this film and then this film. Do you know what I mean? Because you're in, you must be in pre-production, production and post-production simultaneously on multiple yeah. projects. Like, I mean, what? Scott and Reese are the geniuses behind that, I'll be honest. They, they, the way they can kind of be working on multiple projects and organizing everything is, is just ridiculous, really. They, they are finally starting to sort of rely more on sort of production managers and people sure. to kind of help organize things. But like up until recently, they were doing everything. And I mean, literally everything, like dealing with everything. And like, yeah, I mean, kudos to them really. But now they are starting to finally be like, right, we can maybe calm it down a bit and concentrate on some bigger productions and rely on some um, crew and staff to kind of help these sort of take some weight off their shoulders. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, but for me, I, I'm I'm I am nonstop. But there is less pre-production with some of their jobs. I mean, some of them I've kind of just hit the ground running. I, I did one recently where I had to take over for someone because um, he he unfortunately had to drop out last minute. But I got a phone call on, I think it was on the day, and I had to. I got I got a phone call and then I got picked up about two hours later, and then another couple of hours later I was on set filming and I hadn't. Wow. Hadn't read the script or anything, which kind of oh, wow. had to get going, but um, it's fine. I mean, what do you do in that situation? You know, do you just go, "Hey, can I get some sides?" Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, it, it's, I don't know. It's just, um, yeah, you you can make it work. So, sure. Okay. <laughs> I mean, is that kind of like a? Would you say that's kind of like a confidence thing, like based on your, like a you know ability, all of your experience, you know, all the way from like events to shorts to mm you know, these kind of rapid, rapid shoots that you do. Do you feel like if someone called you tomorrow morning and you had nothing on, like, you know, you can just go, cool, I got my lenses, got my camera, let's just roll? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think, yeah, all those years of doing events and doing a lot of solo jobs on my own and then all these indie stuff really has helped sort of build my confidence and and I kind of, I know I can get something sort of, and make it work worst case scenario you know and so i'm not and i'm I'm pretty chill anyway i'm not going to stress anyway but yeah I'm, I'm i think that definitely has helped yeah that's so interesting like yeah just kind of like that 
mentality like i think that's fantastic and indie filmmaking particularly you know horror is all kind of, just, like from my perspective is all about just like hey i, d- I don't know what's going to happen but we'll we'll just figure it out we'll make it work do you know yeah, what i mean so right. um it, you yeah, know it's really amazing to hear that um from you as well vince so mm. it's kind of inspiring because it, it just makes it makes me sit here and think just like why not let's just go for it let's do yeah. something do you know what i mean and um i think it's just a very cool very cool way to look at it i think a lot i think a lot of people they um they stress so much and and try and plan things so much that it never actually happens so sometimes right. you just want to get a camera and just go and press record and just shoot it and work it out later because the worst thing is to kind of just be kind of going over and over things so much that especially if you're starting out and you're trying to do your first film or you know i just say to, you know i've got i've got some sort of students that kind of ask me questions and i'm like just go out and shoot just don't worry about it being good or don't worry about it being the best thing you've ever done just the best way to learn is to shoot and if you know the more you shoot the better you're gonna get so yeah fantastic that's so true amazing i mean like um you know i i one of my next questions was going to be like you know have you ever been given any kind of like uh, specific advice that's kind of really helped you or, or any advice that you would give to other people are yeah. there any other nuggets of advice you might give i think um i mean this one's a bit controversial but my my advice is to be a yes man and i know that that can be dangerous in this industry where people are taking advantage of and there's sort of situations where you kind of have to stand back but obviously within reason but what i'm saying is if you get an opportunity to do something and maybe it's like an unpaid job but it's like a really exciting thing and maybe you're not quite in your your level of career yet where you can be demanding things but like just go for it you know like what 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 can you lose i mean obviously i'm not saying to go into any sort of dangerous situations or anything like that but you know some people will sort of say no i won't do that because this is my rate or no i won't do that i don't you know i don't work over this many hours in a day or something like that mm. but i think sometimes you can kind of read the situation and be like well, actually, this can be beneficial for me. And, you know, I've done a lot of things where I've kind of helped people out on, you know, low pay or unpaid music videos or a sort of little documentary thing. And then they've they've come back the next month and, and been like, you know, you got my back then. I've got a big job now. Will you come shoot this for me? And, I, you know, and I, I get paid double on that. So it's, it does yeah. pay off. And I always, you know, my, my motto for life is you're either going to have a good, you're either going to have a good time or a good story. So... Mm yeah um just just go for it yeah i guess that's that's it's such a tricky thing to navigate though um and i guess that's one thing that kind of comes with experience is knowing when to say yes and whether somebody's kind of reliable or not like yeah um, do you know what i mean but i mean obviously I think... there are there are people that take the piss and oh yeah 100 percent. yeah you, you yeah. gotta you do have to weigh that up and be like let i don't want to just be taken advantage of and i don't want to have my crew taking advantage of but you know, I think you just got to be able to read that. And, and sometimes yeah. you, you, if you don't know, you got to decide, am I going to take this risk or am I going to just steer clear of it? But yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, is, I guess it's a case of like, rather than just jumping in headfirst, I guess it's kind of doing a, a cost benefit analysis or yeah. a bit of a, a mental risk assessment. Do you know what I mean? Mm. But, um, but yeah, I mean, is it, is there any advice that you've been given by by anybody else, like at any point in your career, no matter like how big or small, that's kind of had an impact or any you know that you carry with you? Uh, um, oh God, I can't think. 
Um, well, I mean, one one thing I one thing I did here was um, it wasn't given directly to me, but it was it was told through a story um, of of the late cinematographer Jeff Boyle, and he sort of um, passed away a while back, and his a director that he'd worked with, um, Dominic Brunt. He he shot. Uh, I worked with him on Wolf Manor recently, and um, he he said that Jeff would always say that as cinematographer, he is guardian of the image. And I always kind of think about that. I think I am guarding the image and you know what? I will fight for my department. And, you know, if I want to make this work with everyone else's department, we're going to all work together. But at the end of the day, my job is to do the best I can for the image and I will protect. Beautiful. I th yeah, I, I think that's, uh, that's actually from a, from a producer standpoint, I think that's actually really comforting because I think, uh, that's what you want from your HODs, you know. I, mm. I, I think there's um, there is an element, of course, that there has to be collaboration between between each department. But you want someone that's headstrong at the front to yeah. you know, be responsible for 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 what they are responsible for. And, and like yeah. you said, as cinematographers, you're responsible for the visuals. And and mm. yeah, I, I would always want that. I mean, I'd, uh, I I think that's uh, that's incredibly important. Yeah, from a head of department standpoint, for sure. Yeah. And I, I like it when, you know, when, when the other HDs are, you know, I, I want the mm. sound guy to fight me, you know, I want him to be like wanting to, you know, like if, if they're sort of saying I'm not able to get my boom in properly because there's a light, I'm like, well, okay, let's work it out to best, best we can so we can get good sound. Or I want, I want the art department to, to be on the monitor all the time and on my case about, you know, what, how can we improve things? And I want everyone to be fighting for their departments to make the mm -hmm. film better. So that's the dream that you've got every single person is really sort of fighting for their corner and in doing so the whole thing is lifted yeah yeah i mean it, it's, yeah. it's going it's going to be a better production if everyone's you know passionate about what's yeah. going to be coming out at the end of it the key i guess the key and this is i guess directors and, and producers responsibility is that it kind of merges and you know there's there's that give or take that's needed right to to sort of make things work and uh and, yeah. and that um that you know everyone's happy i guess with the outcome but it's 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 doable i mean this is the thing i mean it's uh, there's always a compromise i think that um that you can kind of come out with, mm -hmm. with something uh, something great at the end of it and i think yeah it's uh it's great to be headstrong and i think if if you're not then uh, it's it's you know is an hod role for you i mean i think mm -hmm. if, if, you, if you don't have that passion to deliver brilliantly then um, yeah it's, it's going to be tricky i think yeah yeah agreed Vince Knight, would you consider yourself a witch, weirdo, goblin, or ghoul? Uh, maybe a goblin or a weirdo. Maybe, can I be in between? <laughs> Absolutely. There are no rules. Perfect. I'm a weird goblin then. Cool. <laughs> Any reason you've landed on that in particular? You don't have to tell us. You can just keep that for yourself if you want. Oh, one. God, I don't even know. I guess all camera crew are goblins, really, aren't they? Really? <laughs> <laughs> like to hide in the shadows and stay, be out, stay, stay behind the camera and yeah bridges and just eat the food yeah yeah excellent i mean yeah we don't even need an explanation it's just like you, you landed I mean, on it perfect you feel it. yeah you know that's just uh that's that's perfect Big thanks to Vince for his time in chatting Chris and I through a behind-the-scenes listen to Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. Um, we're excited to see it. We're going to be first in line for a ticket. I uh, can't wait to see how this plays out. Um, 
one interesting thing that Vince said was just kind of about getting out there and doing it, shooting your own stuff, um, you know, getting used to kind of cutting things together. And I think that's really, really good advice. I mean, I myself have been kind of trying to get my head around editing software because even though I have been in this line of work for a long time, I am shit at editing. Um, but I recently downloaded um, DaVinci Resolve, which is a totally free software. Uh, this is not sponsored in any way, shape, or form, but, you know, it's free. If, if you've got the space on your hard drive and a computer that can run it, um, get out there and just start shooting some stuff on your phone um, just so that you can get an idea of how to cut things together. Uh, you know, we all got to start somewhere, and if you started there right now, you're starting at a very similar place to me because I've only just started doing that as well. Um, give it a go let us know let us know how you get on um, I'm also really curious as to what you guys are working on drop us a comment on our Instagram send us a tweet on Twitter drop us an email um, if you've got a short film that you've just finished or you're finishing up or it's been out for a little while fire it over to us we're always trying to see what else is going on you know outside of our kind of circle there's horror filmmakers all over the world and if you are one of them just send us your work just want to see it see what you guys have got going on um so yeah keep us posted um anyway that's enough out of me for now we'll be back next friday when we talk with jed shepherd co-writer of host and dash cam until then stay weird stay spooky keep up the good work <laughs>